Benjamin Franklin once said, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. The fact is, quality matters. Join us as we make quality fun, interesting, and accessible to companies of all levels. Quality matters is a must-listen for all things quality. Listen in, ask questions, and get back to doing what matters most. Quality Matters, brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. Well, hello and welcome back to the Quality Matters podcast. I am Kyle Chambers with Texas Quality Assurance. And today uh, we're going to be having Caleb from uh, TQA join us again. And we're having another guest on here, uh, Connor O'Boyle. Um, he's been with us before, someone we've known for a number of years now. Really fantastic guy and is just an absolute wealth of knowledge when it comes to building, maintaining, implementing training solutions. Because that kind of is and has been his life for a long time. So let me welcome everyone in here. Caleb, Connor, say hi in the world. Hey. All right. Hello, hello. Thank you, Kyle and Caleb, for having me on again. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So we're talking about training, but, you know, everyone needs a little bit of background here. So, Connor, for those of you that are watching on YouTube or whatever, you can see all the uh, the fun API certs in the background, but everyone listening on that in, in the car and the drive to work may not know about it. So Connor, what, what's up with all the certs on the back wall there? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah, thankfully we do have a quite a nice collection of certificates oh, and, yeah. and achievements up here, including even up there, we have our plaque as well that we can award facilities now. It's kind of a wow. new thing we got, but uh, cool. yeah. So uh, as, as Kyle alluded to here, been training for quite a bit. Um, and thankfully I've been training for API. Well, Part of APIU, the University of Arm of API, as you can see. Oh, let me lean the right way here, <laughs> right there. Uh, <clears throat> but yeah, these are our certificates uh, for our three approved courses that we have already. Uh, currently, we have a, excuse me, a tubing encasing course dealing with obviously tubing encasing threaded connections. Uh, then we have our rotary shoulder course dealing with the drill pipe end of it. And then uh, we have what's called our combined course, which is actually both of them in back-to-back -back days combined. Um, so that you can get, you know, a dual certification as opposed to just one or the other. Now, we get a lot of folks listening to this that are have not a lick of experience with oil and gas. So what they need this mean briefly, just so that folks have a clue, like, oh, he trains on big words. <laughs> cool. Right. Pretty much. Uh, that, that is a, a benefit of my job is I can make it sound really, really, really complicated. Uh, <laughs> but at the end of the day, you know, we try and break it down to be very simple for you. So it's fun. Yeah. Uh, so basically what I train on is uh, for the drill pipe section, meaning when you're actually physically drilling down, you see these wells out in, you know, West Texas or in the Permian Basin or these other places. Uh, they're drilling down for that big pool of black oil it's going to make us all rich and provide us with a bunch of plastics and gas for our cars and all that good stuff oh, as well uh, so we train people on measuring the thread elements uh, meaning the lead the taper the height the addendum uh, the pitch diameter ovality things like this um, essentially how do the tooth mating components or threads conform get together even if thankfully i have one right here even if you think about an actual water bottle these are threaded connections where as i screw this on it creates a seal which then keeps the cap on so what i do is i train people to measure about six to seven different aspects of those threads down to roughly a thousandth of an inch or a tenth of a thousandth of an inch uh to in ensure accuracy and uh make sure it all works correctly <laughs> i tell you i have been blown like people think about threads i mean you hear threads me 15 years ago, I've been like, 
what's the deal with the freaking thread? Like, can't we have fewer threads? It's annoying that stuff doesn't match. Um, but my gosh, we've got, uh, well, you, you've worked with them as well. So we've had a, uh, a client that, my gosh, I had no idea how many types of threads there are. Like, holy crap. There was one, and you know, I'm not naming any names here because we've not gotten authorization to say anything or nothing. But not saying anything bad. It's just fantastic. Like one thread, they've got seven different licenses from different manufacturers or from different companies for them to make. And they have their own licensed thread. They can make the same thread eight different licensed ways. Like I had no idea such things existed. Yeah, when I uh, when I kind of jumped into the world, or I should say, fell into the world of threading, uh, back when I worked for Gage Maker back in like 2016, yeah, uh, I, I was the same way. I go, okay, I understand <clears throat> things kind of screw together. That makes sense. Uh, how many different variations can there be? And then as I got into it and realized there's literally hundreds of different threads, all depending on the application or the different dynamic load conditions it's going to feel, or different stresses, or X, Y, Z. It just changes so frequently that, it, I mean, it's insane. Yeah. Uh, thankfully, I'm on the side and I'm pushing for the standardization of the measurement. And that's that's the big key in regards sure. to training is yeah. we want everybody to use it the right way and we want everybody to get the same number. And that always doesn't happen. So Now, Caleb, this is sounding a little similar kind of the world you come from, which folks may not always be aware. Like we talked about you doing the software development work, but maybe everyone doesn't realize you're actually a CWI, but the uh, world of welding is is similar too because I remember having the same shock there. I remember growing up with my papa thinking, "All right, we got stainless, we got carbon, and it don't get much." <laughs> yeah, more wrong. And it's all interconnected too. I mean, you know, with the different types of metals and that kind of thing. I'm sure that all spills over. And there's just there's really no way to memorize everything or, you know, and it's almost bad to even do that because stuff changes so often. You always want to, as long as you have the most up-to-date reference, like, you know, no, understand the basics. It's never a shame to go have to reference something. So, so how, um, you know, how'd you get started, I guess, in training professionally? I mean, I think that's something that, uh, you know, I mean, and I'm by no means like, which I think how to say this. Ah, I'll probably ruffle a few others. There's no shortage of goobers online. I'm probably one of them that think that they're trainers because they tell people about all sorts of cool stuff. But there, there's a there's a big difference between like sharing useful, helpful information, which is mostly what we do on this this podcast, um, and even on our online uh, trainings we've done on YouTube. Really sharing useful information. What's it take to actually be a professional? trainer like this is what you do for a living day in and day out yeah so uh, it is actually quite a process um so I, I found back when i was working in sales primarily before i got in kind of the technical fields that you know i love to talk so that's perfect for a trainer you know check checkbox <laughs> number one there <laughs> number two I, I read more than anybody i know so there's checkbox number two you know to be a good technical trainer and and kind of pointing to what caleb just said it's always about having the most up-to-date information, being able to reference the most. And then the difference between somebody, you know, like yourselves or, you know, somebody getting into the training uh, realm, if you will, is, you know, a lot of times it's just training knowledge that you've just recently read and then kind of reverbing -re that, you know, and saying, hey, yep. this is what I this is what I read. Let me regurgitate to you and kind of feed you, you know, the baby bird kind of thing. Um, whereas if you want to become a documented trainer and approved trainer and a certified trainer, not only do you have to be able to share this information, improve your aptitude in it, 
but you have to blow away the experts. Um, so that's going to be the toughest part. So you really have to put on that hard hat and say, I have to outstudy everybody else here so that when I go to this accreditation body or this, you know, governing or approved uh, type of organization, then I can show them that, hey, this is a material I'm covering. It's it's based in, you know, your umbrella. So let me right. show you how I'm an expert, where I came from, the experience I've had, the real world experience I've had, the knowledge I've attained, and then let's collaborate to make sure this can be the best possible. So the courses that we developed, the three certificates you see above my head here for our three courses that I explained earlier, uh, we began putting these together. I think I created these in like tw end of 2017, 2018. Okay. Um, and then we had to work with the senior spec writers at API, meaning the people that have been doing this for, you know, 30, 40, sometimes even 50 years mm -hmm. um, and have a bunch of tenure in there, have literally built these specs from the ground up. I had to work with them personally to one, show that I could actually prove my aptitude Two, I understood a way to then pass along that knowledge without it becoming confusing. And then three, like you pointed to, make sure I have the most up-to-date information. And that's how I got my accreditation. So it actually took us, it was roughly 22 months uh, from the day I started working with the senior spec writers till they said, okay, you know what? We believe in you, you know your stuff, you can prove it right. It's accepted, you know, people can accept the information and retain it. So we're going to now allow you to use our monograms and say that you can now accredit individuals to API. And that so that was a, a huge step for us, but it, it was painstaking to get, let me tell you. <laughs> really don't realize how big of a deal that is. Like Caleb and I know from firsthand experience the hell it is to go through to get, you know, not just your your basic Q1 cert, uh, management system in place, but then to get the monogram added onto it, like this is not a small undertaking for the business. And you did effectively the same thing on the services side, right? So we're always looking yes. at on the product side. You did it all yourself on the service side. It's like a huge freaking undertaking. And as far as I know, you're the only one that has gone through this hell successfully. Yes. Uh, so we are the first and only API accredited threat inspection course in the world. Um, so unless you have come to us to get your certified ID card, uh, all you've done is just taken a different course. <laughs> right. Now, okay, so this is the dumb question that everyone has to ask. Why should I pay for your accredited course when all of this information's online and, heck, we probably got a whole handful of your students that have made brain dumps. Can't I learn this stuff otherwise? Why do I need your class? Yeah, 100%. And that's, that's a great question. And we do get that quite a bit. Uh, in fact, many companies we go to, they tell me the exact same thing. Well, why should I get your you know training? I go, well, you can become an API accredited inspector. And they go, okay, that's all well and good. But what what is the true benefit to your training? And so <clears throat> the first and easiest answer is, Kyle, you're 100% correct. People could take the time to go out and read all these API specs and they can actually request to be on a lot of these work groups uh, that I'm on, uh, which I, geez, I, I meant to take a total count before I got here. It was, it was getting really high. So I kind of gave up counting. Um, so all these different work groups and committees and subcommittees, which again, deal with the wording, the changing of the specs, the updating, you know, what's, what's, you know, gone in the past, what do we need to focus on in the future? <clears throat> So yes, you can do it on your own. One, most people either one, don't really have access to all the information, two, have access to it but don't wanna pay for it, or three, don't wanna actually dive all the way in there and then see, okay, what little nuggets did I wanna take out of this? Because when you're reading an API spec, you know I'm reading 280 pages to then compile 
you know, five or six points out of there that you're going to really care about. And so it's really about absorbing all that information and then being able to then teach that information. That's the trickiest part is getting it and then being able to retain it all. <laughs> that is it. Oh my gosh. Yes. One of the, one of the things that, you know, come to mind and, and people think about trainers and teachers and, you know, there's the old saying, like those who can't do teach or something like that, but and it's that, unrealistic. It's not an insult either. Teaching. Damn. Well, and what I'm sitting there thinking of when you're explaining that is like, there is no way that somebody could have a full-time regular job and do what you do, Connor. Like that's gotta be somebody's, somebody's gotta do that. And somebody's gotta relate. Like if you're not sourcing that out and you're not relying on us, an industry expert, you know, to, I don't want to say thank for you, but there's only so many hours in a day, you know? So I yeah, see definitely. similar to the benefit of, uh, a real of a good auditor, not the same, very, very similar. If you take a really good experienced management system auditor, my gosh, this guy has been in 200 shops that do the same thing you do. Not to mention 500 of those shops do something totally freaking different. He has seen what works, he has seen what fails, he has seen what works in combination with things. I'm not suggesting go smooth your auditor to get an easy audit, it doesn't work. <laughs> Um, but it wouldn't be a bad idea to take that auditor out for dinner just to say, man, you got to tell me about some of the cool stuff you've seen. He yeah. can tell oh, you that. Yeah. I'm not the consult, but he can tell you that. In any case, so I see a good trainer here is kind of the same thing. It's like they are a absolute wealth of resources if you'll use them. Yep. Definitely. So, yeah, that points to, you know, that even brings it back to the point Caleb made earlier. So that's the com combination that you're looking for. Somebody that has the real world experience that has done it, has seen these real world scenarios when, you know, the engineers or the people in the office go, well, this will work. And you get out there, you go, no, no, it will not. <laughs> you know, like you have no idea. It's it's completely different world. It's day and night from designing this, putting it up together, understanding it in an office, and then practical application, dealing with the changes and the different things that are happening on the floor in the shop. I mean, it, it couldn't be more different. So thankfully, I, I was lucky enough to actually work for GageMaker. Um, and not only did I sell the gauges, but because of my uh, electronical and mechanical aptitude from college in the military, um, I was able to build and calibrate a lot of these gauges, which is why I actually wanted to create these courses was because it's tough to just read an operations manual and understand something to a component level. But if I give you the breakdowns and all this, that, and the other, you're not going to read that anyway. So yep. now I need to find a way to get those points across to you without you going like, oh my God, what is this guy even talking about? And yeah. that's that's usually the toughest part for sure. No, I mean, it's so true. Okay, so yeah, this is different scale, the same type thing. Um, I used to do, unfortunately, a lot of accident investigations. Um, and... I see it, you know, it's whatever, it's a whole other story, but it's a lot of different accident investigations. So for one client right now, they wanted a, me to put together a training for their accident investigation record keeping program. They're putting together a small safety team and like, fantastic, great, great, great. We are going in an awesome direction here. And so I'm putting together the PowerPoint forum because that's what they requested. You know, I'll usually like that in that line, but PowerPoint's to be helpful to organize your thoughts. But then I'm sitting here and I'm going through it and I'm like, well, it snowballs chance they can teach this to each other. I mean, it's not. Yeah. You know, I started training because they want to do the training themselves. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I, I don't know. I don't know how. I really don't know how to teach them to be a good trainer on it. So I'm like, well, shit, if he's if he's going to be a trainer on this, man, I need like two days with this dude. 
so that he can do a 30 minute training. And, you know, they don't have the time available for someone to do that. So I'm just really scratching my head. Like, if this is going to be meaningful and impactful for them, they have to have someone that understands it. Yeah, that's that's a great point. Uh, so when we first started in uh, with Gage Training and we started training, uh, we got our accreditation April 5th of 2019 from API, and then we kind of hit the ground running, right? And again, at first, it, it was slow going because, again, is it mandatory? Oh, it's not mandatory. Then why do we need to do it? And it's like, oh, well, we have an in-house training program, so we know our stuff pretty well. you know. And it's like, don't get me wrong. In-house training is great. And obviously, anybody that I accredit and train, I expect them to, and I, and I hope them that they go back and they try to help their fellow employees, right? Yeah. Uh, but to that point that you just made was when we first started training, a lot of companies had that same idea. They go, you know what? Let's send our quality manager who's been here for, you know, been in the industry 30 years. He's been doing this for 18 years. We're going to send him and their top two inspectors that have been doing this for 10 years. They're going to take this course. We'll get them accredited. That's awesome. And then they can definitely go teach our guys because they've been doing this, you know, for 15, 18 years. And obviously, as, as you kind of heard, I, I started EngageMaker in 2016, well, 2015 yeah. into 2015. So <clears throat> I've only really been doing this for about eight years, you know, not anywhere near the longevity of some of these people in here. Right. Uh, but again, thankfully, with my attention to detail and my persistence of learning, you know, mm -hmm. I, I'm very you confident right I can pass in the right space and you can do good. Yeah. So uh, so that's what we did. We said, you know what? Do that. Send me your top five quality guys. You know, the oh. guys that are your experts that are training all your people, send them to my class. Right. Oh. And then when they come and take my course and then they leave and I go, do you think you could teach this course? And they go, there's not a chance in hell I could teach this course. <laughs> And they're like, you just completely changed the way I thought about this. And I've been doing this again for, you know, 20 something years, you know. And so then they go back to their team and they go, we need to have everybody in here because sure, I can get some of the nuances and I can help with yeah. some of the techniques here. But the way that, you know, and I'm not trying to boast about myself, but, you know, the way that I'm able to explain something or break it down to to one, give you all this information that yeah. you didn't realize you needed. But then two, give it in a way that you can easily absorb and then put it into practice. That's always the biggest disconnect with in-house training and then getting like the approved or certified or regimented training by a governing body. It's, yeah. it's because I've had to go through, you know, 70 steps to get this accreditation. Whereas, hey, you're an expert. You've been doing this 20 years. Can you type up us, you know, something real quick? Sweet. Let's train our people. You yeah. know, there's. It's like yeah. how much effort, how much time, how much actual information really went in it. And I mean, you know, like this is kind of sounds like a, a, a little bit of a BS argument. <laughs> but it, this really is what the risk-based thinking clause in the ISO 9001 standard is meant for. Because someone has to look at their business operation and they have to make a judgment call. Do we have the necessary competence, skills, and organizational knowledge within our company to then train others to work satisfactorily? Do we need to go get that additional information for one of our guys to be the local expert, or do we just need an external expert? But you have to make that decision. And this is what risk space thinking actually is versus mm -hmm. all the other bull crap that people do. <laughs> Could, couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, so it, it, I mean, about accredited trainings, this was something that I had looked into years ago um, when we were first getting text quality assurance going. You know, one of the things I wanted to do is auditor trainings. And so we went through the process to get accredited through uh, Global Exemplar and ultimately decided not to do it because 
there's so many other folks out there doing it. I didn't see how we'd necessarily be competitive in that market. It's something we wanted to do full time. But it was also because it's an enormous amount of work to develop the materials, make certain that they are reviewed, vetted, so on and so forth. And it's an enormous amount of cost. And I just said, not worth it. So the fact that you've done this again, hats off to you. It's so freaking cool. Um, well, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate that. It, and you're right. It was uh, it was a huge process. And honestly, if if I wouldn't have created this from scratch from the ground up, I probably would have had the same end result that you did where I said, you know what, yep. you know, maybe we don't need to get this. But knowing yep. that it was new and it was here to shape the industry, I couldn't just go around saying, hey, we're gauge training. We're going to train you on how to do all this. And they're like, who, who is this guy? You know, and instead, you know, I needed somebody to give me a little bit more legitimacy, somebody to back me. So when I go, well, I'm backed by APIU, everybody in the world goes, oh, I know who API is. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) What did you have to say again? You know, and now all of a sudden that door opens a little wider for me. Exactly. Well, this is a little bit of a different topic. It might be its own episode on its own, but we'll probably chat here for a few minutes. I love to kind of pay attention to how things seem to go in, you know, in cycles, right? You know. Not turn this to a big political conversation. It was always freaked out. The world's ending. It's like, you just go back 40 years, world was ending. Go back 40 years, world legitimately was ending. I mean, you know, so but in case, everything tends to flow in various cycles. And my perception is that here for a long time, kind of really the last, I guess, 15, 20 years, kind of when you and I got tossed, all three of us got tossed into uh, into the real world. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a big focus was like the internet's there, all the information is there, the world's information is at your fingertips. Just go learn it. And that worked really well for a select few of us, I think. And the rest of us were really confused. And so yes. I, I feel like now we're back where it seems the world used to be, where we have a lot of local experts for niche areas because people can't afford to have their own, own local expert in house. I kind of feel we're shifting back into that. I don't know. Do y'all get that same vibe? You see the Yeah, same? I do. I, I do. Uh, and that's even, you know, I, I've noticed that when I go train people and stuff too at certain companies, again, without naming names and stuff, yep. sometimes they're even larger companies and it may just specifically one facility, but I'll go in to do the training. And when, you know, when we're in the class, I'm asking about, you know, hey, what do you guys do? Have you read the spec? Are you guys in our work groups? Do you guys know this? Have you seen this come out? Blah, 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 blah. And there's, a lot of times there's always one guy that's in the class. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm the guy that does that. I'm the guy that reads all the spec. I do this. I do that. And I'm like, OK, and then I'll ask about setting up the gauges, zeroing the gauges. Stuff like that. He's like, I do that. I do it in the quality lab. I zero it and I do all this for them and they go measure. <laughs> and I'm in my head like, why? I mean, you're, you're taking actually value away from your other employees by only being the expert in your company. Yeah. Now, it's different. You know, if it's, hey, it's your company, you need to be expert, you're the one training like myself, that's different. But when you're in a company environment, only having one guy that's at the top of his game, like the, the old adage is you're only, you know, as weak as you're, you're as strong as your weakest link, right? right? So it's like, if one of those guys is not doing stuff right, are you going to have your, your number one guy watch everybody do this? Are you going to have him check everybody's inspection and every report? The guy's going to lose his mind. You know, he's not even going to have time to go to the bathroom. So it's like. And the internal expert has to be capable of training others. Well, I'm Caleb. So you can probably share a little bit here. You, Caleb's done absolute freaking fantastic job putting together a uh, help guide, start guide for our software. I mean, 
seriously, it is written in the most simple, broken down, Barney-style English you can get without being insulting, right? I mean, that's this, my natural language. Yeah, right. In the, in the Air Force, in the Air Force, we said dumb it down so even an army guy can understand. <laughs> Whoops, sorry to be here. No offense to the army; they're obviously my brother in arms here. My my dad was 82nd Airborne. He's looking over at me right now, like, "What did you say about the army?" <laughs> but so he's got this fantastic start guide, right? Super simple. It walks you through everything. Very simple videos. It's like, again, this is kind of where he's kind of got a gift on it. I may take 10 minutes to make the video. Clearly, I talk too much sometimes. He'll do it in 30 seconds. I'm like, shit, dude, that's better than anything I could have done. All right, cool. Um, but, Caleb, how many times do you have to still spend training people? Because they, they just... They, they All of the time. <laughs> they have to have some control. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you know, so for our site, you want to put the information out, and you want to put get information out for people to find if they're the type of person that just wants to go find it on their own and, you know, get on-demand training. But, yeah, there's something to be said with people being, being able to ask questions or, you know, yeah. people being able to be like, hey, yeah, I know that already. Can we move on to, you know, if, and Connor, you've probably seen this. If you're in a classroom and let's say you have something on your on your agenda and everybody seems to be already familiar with it, you may not necessarily have to spend all that much time on it. Um, yeah, 100%. It's, it's yeah. The more yeah. demand. So and, much body language and voice tone communicates that you yeah. yeah and that that's a big part of being a trainer too is being able to recognize that so that's that's great that Caleb brings up that point because a lot of times inexperienced trainers are again people that are just regurgitating information as opposed to like using their knowledge to imprint it on somebody is they don't they don't pay attention to those body factors or you know they see somebody kind of looking around they think well, this guy doesn't get it or whatever. It's like, no, he may understand it completely, but you also need to hook that person in, right? You need to make them engaged in the material. And that's, that's a tricky thing to do. Well, we, um, you know, we moved up to the country, gosh, two years now. Wow. It still feels new. But, yeah. <laughs> it's been two years. Holy crap. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> uh, but we moved out here two years ago. And seriously, we have done 10 years worth of work in two years. Like, I go home, I spend time with the kids, I eat dinner, I go up to my shop, and I work till 9 or 10 o'clock and crap outside a lot of nights. I love it, though. I'm yeah. not complaining, right? But um, Jesse was like, man, Dad, we should do, like, a ton of little how-to videos, you know? He's like, man, there's, like, everything we do around here you got to figure out. It's kind of a cool solution. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, we, we probably could. And uh, But it, it's it, the point is, because there's just so many things that, that have to get done, and, you know, he, he kind of wants it to, he just thinks it's cool how we figure out stuff and fix it all the time. And really that's, that's the value of a good trainer because they have gone through all of that hell already and you're not doing the figuring it out stuff. My boy thinks it's fun to figure this stuff out and watch daddy get pissed off with bro thing. You know, <laughs> but a good trainer has already been through that hell and now you don't have to. Right. And, and they're still, even though they don't want to do it anymore, they're still willing to put themselves in those situations to continue to learn that as well. Yep. And that's something I've seen with, with some trainers too. They, they get to a point where they're proficient in like teaching a course and they, I know this course like the back of my hand. Well, it's like, no, you know, the slides like the back of your hand, because if you're not continuing your own improvement and continuing yeah. to look further down the telescope, as it were, then all you're doing is just reading a PowerPoint and Let's be honest, almost anybody can do that. Yeah. It's how are you getting this information? Across? Can I feel it in your voice that one, you know it and two, you're confident in yourself and three, you want me to learn it. And that's that's a huge disconnect. I see with a lot of trainers and people that I've tried to train. 
Um, so you kind of pointed to that earlier. We only have three approved trainers in the world that are allowed to teach my courses. Uh, right. We have me. We have actually Robert Mims, who was on the podcast with us before. I know he's done a couple with you guys. And then we have uh, Stephen Loomis, who's actually an old family friend that used to work for Hydro and U.S. Steel for a long time in premium, semi-premium connections. And so he helped us develop this in well. And he's got the hands-on knowledge, being on the rigs, awesome. being in the shops, all that as well. So all I had to do is refine his personality a little bit to put him in a classroom, <laughs> and, which sometimes can be a challenge in itself, you know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it just, you know, and, and the to do that, like when I look to hire some trainers here in the future, like it's going to be, you're going to come work for me, but you're not going to be a trainer for at least probably a year. Like, yeah. and that's, and that's given, even if you already have a wealth of knowledge with, you, uh, yeah. because I need you, I need to hone you in and basically almost make you better than me before I trust you to go out there. And that's, I that's have found the exact same thing is true with, uh, with auditors. Um, I mean, thank God we've got Dawn with us. She's our lead auditor, especially if it's a tough job. My gosh, she's on it every single time. And I have tried to find a few other auditors and I have just not been, uh, you know, as, uh, as thrilled with anyone else. And I think a big part of it is that is really what we need to do. It's like whoever the next auditor is and they'd be like, Dawn, my apologies. You're going to have a shadow for the next six months. Yes. <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> I really don't care how good of an auditor you are. I want you to audit our way. And I don't mean that yes. it's cocky or arrogant. It's just, we do a damn good job and you need to do it our way. Yeah, I, I do that all the time where I go train somebody and I'll show them something. They go, oh, you do it that way? Well, I do it this way. And I go, okay, so you do it incorrectly. Good to know. So let's go ahead and fix that technique. And here's why it's incorrect. You know, but being able to have that knowledge like Dawn would and say, yeah. no, 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 you can't do it this way because X, Y, Z, as opposed yeah. to like, well, don't do it that way. Well, that's that's not a good reason not to do it. But if yeah. you can explain to me why it's a bad reason, then I go, oh, OK, well, now it makes sense. I was doing this because it was easier or because it yes. was quicker or because, you know, because everyone wants to find the shortcut. Everybody wants yep. to find the shortest path to get their job done. Whereas we all know in our world, it's all about attention to detail. So if you're if you're if you're taking shortcuts, if you're trying to find a quicker way to do it, odds are is you're glossing over some what you think might be a minor detail, but could lead to a very crucial point or a crucial part of an inspection that, oh, man, that's why this failed. Oh, geez. You know, and that's something so simple, but we just glossed over it because we didn't think so. So putting importance and relevance on the right sections is really tough as well. Well, it is. And that's where experience has to come into play, because truthfully, every single line, again, I'm thinking because most of the trainings I've had to develop from scratch and safety trainings. But um, I think, like, man, you go to one of these OSHA CFRs and we are hundreds of lines long. It will take me longer, by far, but longer to read the standard word for word than to train you on it thoroughly. And so then mm -hmm. it's like, how do I communicate a greater volume of more clear, concise, easy to understand information in fewer words. And yeah. no one ever thinks about training that way. It's it's kind of like um, well, we've all heard really bad songs. We're like, man, I think they had a first grader write that. It rhymed and it had a beat, <laughs> but man, it's bad. Like, what were they even talking about? And you hear other songs, and it's like you listen to it, and every time you listen to it, you hear something you didn't hear before. You hear yes. something you didn't hear before. My gosh, you packed four hours worth of content into a three-minute song. You can do the same thing with this content. We can do the same thing with our process procedures. I mean, it's it's the same across the board, and it takes a certain skill set to be good at it. 
So last question I got here for you before we close up. Um, when would you argue that someone should create an in-house training versus find an authorized trainer? When would right. it be smart to build those in-house? Because no one's going to do all of, well, I'll say that. Most companies won't do all of their training externally. They want to do some internally, and there's right. lots of good reasons for it. But how do you, kind of where we started, how do you make that decision? Why one, why the other? Yeah, so I'm actually a big fan of you need both. <laughs> Um, so I, I, you know, just having approved accredited training, again, you can have some great trainers. I've met some great trainers. I've been trained by some great people, but sometimes they can also get too locked into their own realm or their own way of thought. And that can be detrimental to the student because sometimes the student will have questions or they'll, well, I saw this happen, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, well, that shouldn't happen. You're like, okay, but why, why did it happen? You know, or <laughs> how can I prevent it from happening? And they're like, well, just do this the right way. And you're like, okay, you didn't answer my question. So it's good to have a mixture, but uh, you want to create an in-house as soon as you have enough people. And also don't put it all on one or two people's shoulders as well. You need to have a team and yeah. also across different sections. Like you need somebody from your engineering to have cross training on the practical application using a CNC machine, understanding the program, you know, understanding what can happen with all the threads and the threading process and all this stuff. Because again, if, if you don't physically see it, what I design here, practically, mathematically, it should make sense. But as again, we pointed to earlier, when you go out in the field, nothing's practical anymore. Nothing it fits how it's supposed to. It's all going to be crazy. Right? With so, a couple of our newer engineers, man, they draw up something for the machine. I'm like, no one's hands bitting in there. <laughs> yeah, that's, there's no chance, right? So, uh, so going back to your question, so I think you should try to implement an in-house training as quick as you can. But what you need to do is get a core group of people that one already have some practical knowledge, already have some experience in the industry or in the section of which you're going to train them on. Two, make sure they actually want to learn. Okay, that's that's a big thing too. I've met a lot of people that don't get me wrong, were very smart, had a lot of practical knowledge, had a lot of experience. But then when you try to transition them to that, they go, well, my bar has been hit. I know all this already. So I just need to tell people. this. No, no, you need to be 10 steps ahead of the person that's going to ask you that question. Because if you're not, then and you can't answer the question. I lose confidence in you, right? Yep. And then how valuable is your training? How much am I really learning? Am I going to mentally check out? You know, it starts going down a bad path. So and then the next I would say get question either because you didn't know. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, if I had a question that was on top of your question, well, I'm not going to ask that question anymore because I didn't even get the root answer already. So now it's like, okay, well, I guess we'll have to go ask somebody else or I'll have to figure this out online or whatever the case may be, which is great. There's lots of forums out there and I love chats. I, I personally go on a lot of chat forums, especially in regards to threading, inspection, metrology. And I will comment on there because unfortunately there's a lot of incorrect information or outdated information in there as well. Because again, people think that you cap yourself at learning. You can only retain so much knowledge, which I do not believe in, in the slightest, uh, not even close. Um, so again, Creating an in-house training program is great, but you need something to structure it off of as well. So you need to say, hey, we got this style of training and they gave us this reference. So let's try to use this to our advantage. How does this apply to us? How can we make this work in our scenario? Um, but then the, the whole purpose of the in-person training, or I'm sorry, the in-house training is not to have this be the level of our standard. This is the minimum level of our standard. So this is what we know we can pass along, but while we still do this in-house training and you go through and, you know, 
you know, Caleb had had the Kyle course, we're still going to send Caleb out to get the Connor course because we need another mind, another avenue to get this information in there because people teach differently, people respond differently to different criteria, different personnel or the way they act. So again, that's why I point back to the, the, the importance of having both. Sure, I want in-house training. Will it ever replace me? No, it won't. It can't, right? There's no way that you're going to have anybody that one, has the time, or two, most likely doesn't have the drive to get to the level we're going to take this. But if you have somebody that can retain that information, can get across those key points that can essentially keep you at that minimum base knowledge level, then you continue to send them out for that external approved accredited certified training, it lifts everything, right? So they say the tide raises all boats, right? And so that's what you want to do. You just want your in-house trainer to always be a little bit higher. You want him to be the lighthouse, but you need everybody else to be in a functioning boat, not just sitting at the dock, right? Yep. So you need that mixture of both to, to, to continue to increase your bottom line while still being able to rely on the experts for that top end training. Because at the end of the day, you're just not going to have the resources, the time or the personnel to get to that level. Take, you know, take advantage of the people that have put in the time and effort. And that's their whole being. You know, this is the whole company is to standardize this threat inspection training across the entire world to the point where we're going in the spec. Like it's be it's going to become a requirement. So it's like, all right, let's get this approved, certified, accredited training. And let's continue to modify our in-house training so that as we do bring in new employees, we can get them to the base level so that when we do go send them out for this more intense accredited training, they're not, you know, the deer in the headlights going, oh, my God. They come in going, OK, well, I understood this, but I didn't realize how important this part of it was. And that's when, again, you start making all those connections. And that's how you continue to grow and become more proficient. That's how it was when I uh, did a CCNA class years, I don't know how many years ago, I, I dabbled with, you know, some networking, but nothing like that. <laughs> right. And, oh, and a big thing God. too, is but also holding, right. Uh, one of the other things too, I want to touch on was holding your accredited bodies or companies that you're getting the certified training to account as well. Okay. What is your plan for the next course? What else are you guys working on? How, how do you guys get this information to update your courses? Is it the same course I took three years ago? You know, yeah. also put that pressure on them because while they may be an expert, like I pointed to earlier, if they're not continuing to push themselves as well, these specs are changing every day. I'm on like 30 work groups and committees and subcommittees. I live in Zoom meetings and Microsoft team meetings all hours of the day, all the time. But I need to. This is this is my lifeblood. If well, somebody's going to call me out on something, I need to be like, well, here's how I know the answer. And then bam, 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 bam. Here's all the people you can check with or here's all the material you can reference if you want to do your own homework and then try and challenge me on it. Bring it on. That has been one of the most useful and beneficial things for me as I get further into uh, this world is. I think it is so freaking cliche, but it's so true is you never know the people you're going to meet and the connections that are valuable. Like I look back and I'm like, holy crap, man, that was like such weird little happenstance that I met this guy, but man, everything changed from it. And it hasn't happened just once. It's happened several times over. And so, yeah, you just never really know who you're going to meet. Now, I won't say that going to these networking events with the intent of, I'm going to find the next super useful, helpful guy in my life. No, it's just, you just go do stuff. You be a good person. You be open to things, but you don't get that opportunity otherwise. 
Um, so I couldn't too. agree more. Yeah, I, I love the networking opportunities. I go to all of the API ones, all of the AADE, American Associated Drilling Engineers, the IADC, as well as the SPE. I mean, I go to any and all of them because just like you said, you never know. Is never going to look at any of this stuff. He's never going to talk to any of these folks. He's never going to know any of this stuff. He's going to do his job. He's probably going to do it pretty well. But man, if he get up at just two or three notches higher, it the difference between successful and hyper successful, it's not a huge difference. It's a little bit of You're luck right. and discipline that the rest of us don't have in um, I just love the stuff that you do. Again, I am just blown away that you have gone through and done what you've done with the accreditation process for this training. So cool. So real quick, because we, uh, we're already over about five minutes here, but it's fine. Um, who is truly an ideal uh, student for you and where can they find you? Yeah, so you can go to our website, gagetraining.com. It'll be G-A-U-G-E, uh, trainingstandardspelling.com there. Um, you know, you can obviously email our sales as well. Uh, our, our phone number 281-895-6632. Um, and please reach out. Uh, so we like to train anybody and everybody that has anything to do with inspection. So clearly we're mainly oil field based, lots of machinists, QC personnel, third party inspectors, auditors, things like this. Uh, but we do branch into the car industry, uh, car manufacturing, as well as aerospace as well. And that's when you get into some really intense stuff like clean rooms. And, you know, we're oh, yeah. measuring down to the craziest microns and stuff like that, which, again, is super fun. Um, but, yeah, you know, also people that are just kind of industry. Uh, interested in this. If you're in sales, that's one of the things I don't see enough in our courses is salesmen. And it blows my mind. Like as a salesman, I wanted to know so much technical data that one, I could go, I can go sell to a salesman. Of course, I can talk that lingo. We can have a beer. Yeah. Hey, here's my price. Oh, can you do better? No, I can't. Well, we need a discount to get it. Okay. Here's 5%. That's the easy part. But then being able to go to their quality team or their engineering team or whoever else and be able to explain that on another level and say, well, we can guarantee it because here we got this type of training. We do this. We do that. This is how we do that. You go, oh, OK. So that's something I want to see more in is like sales managers or have sales guys come in. Now, do you need to get you know our ID card and become an API accredited inspector? Maybe not. But if you understand how these inspectors, machinists, and QC personnel are perceiving the pipe or perceiving the order, it changes your complete outlook and it'll give you more ammunition to go sell it. Plus, yep. if you are accredited or your team's accredited, that's going to be the first thing I tell you. Okay, so you can give us this pipe. Not only can I give you the pipe because I have a monogram and I pay my fees like everybody else, but I have API accredited inspectors so I can prove that when we measure it, it's correct. So you don't have to send it back. That's now, a I'm a salesman and I go, I don't have to send this back to you. I, you can guarantee it's going to be good every time it comes. Where do I sign? Like, yeah. let's go. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Man, well, it has been great. Caleb, you got anything before we wrap up here? Oh, no. I'm I'm good. Awesome. Awesome, man. Connor, I appreciate uh, your time here. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up. And uh, hopefully we can get a few more folks uh, sent your way here. So, man, thank you. Thank you for your time. All right. Really appreciate it, man. I'm happy to help you guys anyway as well. You're a great team. You guys are vast, uh, you know, sense of knowledge as well. So I would like to like to promote you guys too. But I look forward to the next podcast, guys. Awesome. Take care, guys. All right. Well, thank you very much for chiming in and uh, joining with us here today. So this is cool stuff. I mean, it really is. I mean, we talk about training and threat inspections, and I guess those on the service level aren't all that interesting. But man, they're like really the depth of knowledge and information that's available here that is 
it's necessary on a daily basis. Like this is what keeps our world and our society and our industries all functioning is how people do and accomplish these jobs and these tasks. And so I just find it fascinating. It's my absolute favorite part of my job is just seeing all the cool ways that people do stuff again. Kind of like talking about with me and my boy doing all these little random projects on the weekends. Like we love figuring out how to do it, how to make it work. And I just think it's so cool to see folks that have found such amazing innovative ways or sometimes so freaking dirt simple i never would have thought about it so if you love this stuff too you like the podcast you like what we do definitely be sure to subscribe it truly does a lot to help us there's all you know all the crap of the algorithms but just getting those subscriptions the view counts up it is huge to help us so please be sure to like share subscribe and if you have any questions anything quality related give us a call i never charge for a phone for a phone call give me a call love to talk to you soon You'll take care. Man, that was awesome. Um, we were going to talk about the Q1 transition, and I forgot all about to bring that up. But, oh, I even uh, made a note. I didn't bring it up. Yeah. But, man, it goes right along, though, with everything you're talking about, like staying up to date on all of the trainings. It's the same thing here. These standards update. Now, granted, they don't update nearly as frequently as mm. the specs. Well, they may actually update with some of the frequency. You just got a lot more specs you have to worry about the standards we have to worry about. We've got very yeah. few standards, <laughs> comparatively speaking. <laughs> I go look at the monogram list. I'm like, oh crap! It gets long. I think um, but no, API did the update to the uh, Q1, which is effectively their equivalent to the ISO 9001 standard. And everyone has until September this year to get up to date with Q1. That's it. After September this year, if you're not up to date with the 10th edition, then you're out of luck. Um, mm -hmm. But it's really cool what they've done, though. I mean, usually I, I kind of complain a lot when uh, the standards are updated, but I like what they did with the Q1. I really can't complain with the update here. They added just enough of the ISO language that Q1 covers all the ISO requirements, plus more. I mean, I've always exactly. said that there's, if you do a Venn diagram, it's a pretty close overlap, but man, Q1's just fully encapsulated 9001 for, well, for oil and gas production, at least. Um, right. So, but yeah, so we're um, we're going to be putting together uh, a, a few things there for A1 uh, API Q1 transition. So it'll be fun. We'll see what happens. Heck yeah, that's awesome. All right. Well, I will chat with you again soon. Oh, hey, real real quick question, actually. Um, yeah. I love the little intro and outro video.